Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, the show where America is the star and the American people. And we love to hear your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. Our listeners' stories, well, they're some of our favorites. George Lucas is best known for creating both Star Wars and Indiana Jones, two iconic American film franchises that shaped our childhoods or our children's childhoods. But before he brought us to a galaxy far, far away, Lucas made two other, often forgotten movies. His first film, THX 1138, was produced by friend and Godfather director Francis Ford Coppola. But despite the talent behind it, was anything but a box office success. His second film, American Graffiti, was a surprise success and led to the opportunity to begin his third film, Star Wars. Today, Robbie brings us Chris Taylor, author of How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, the past, present, and future of a multi-billion dollar franchise. You know, Marshall Lucas once said that I think that damn movie was running through the reels in in George's head like the, the day I met it. And a lot of people say this, that he was sketching out visions of, of star troopers, you know, in, in his notebooks instead of going to parties while he was at USC. Like, he was still a nerd, and his, his nerdery was very much attached to Flash Gordon, which was, you know, a, a serial that he saw on TV growing up in the 50s. The, the idea of a non-static space battle was something that intrigued him for many years. Because, uh, of course, you, you, you watch 
Star Trek, the original series in the late 60s, and you see a lot of spaceships just sort of hanging out there. You know, it looks weird now because George Lucas changed all of that with the special effects that we see in Star Wars of spaceships that could do dogfights, right? You know, World War II movies, yet another influence. But bring it back, always bring it back to Flash Gordon and that idea of Saturday morning serials and science fiction, or rather space fantasy, that was easy to consume, accessible, didn't matter which episode you were jumping in on. You know, you can talk about the, the catalyst for this and that Gary Kurtz, the producer of Star Wars, talked a lot about this kind of moment in the early 70s. They've, they've just done THX 1138. It's kind of a mess. Warner Brothers doesn't like it. You know, there's a lot of indication that he was thinking about American Graffiti and his untitled space opera uh, as a package. They're looking at what's playing at the movies, decide that there's nothing that either of them would really like to see because they're kind of both you know, nerds in the sense that they, they start talking about Flash Gordon, about the joys of, of seeing Flash Gordon when they were young and how there isn't any version uh, of any movie like that. So, so of course, Lucas first wants to go and get the rights to actual Flash Gordon itself. Um, that doesn't pan out. Dino De Laurentiis kind of beat him to the punch. Uh, but this is actually a liberating moment for Lucas because he realizes that he, he doesn't need Flash Gordon. You know, he's able to let go of that legacy and start creating his own space opera. And it starts off, you know, not where you would expect it with like, hey, here's Han Solo, here's Luke Skywalker, here's, you know, the, the names do enter it fairly early on. But he starts with uh, Mace Windy, a character who, of course, becomes Mace Windu, uh, played by Samuel L. Jackson in the prequels. And he writes a page and a half of treatment. The Star Wars might be in his mind at this point, but it's it's just this really weird, convoluted stuff. He doesn't even like it. He puts it down, puts his pen down halfway through, and it it takes him a while to to come back to it. Um, but he's sort of constantly making lists of names that sound cool. You know, Han Solo is is on that one, uh, possibly from the Solo Cups. You know, all, all of the names have kind of this legacy to them, right? It's uh, R2-D2 was, comes from uh, Real 2, Dialogue 2 in American Graffiti. Uh, that, that is actually a true story, not a Star Wars legend. You know, he's always listening. He always has his ear open for things that sound cool, sound science fiction-y, you know? And he files away the fact that uh, he and his wife drive with their... Uh, their dog in the, in the front seat of their car. They're Alaska, big Alaskan husky, you know, sitting there in the front seat uh, called Indiana, by the way. Um, you know, <laughs> give rise to two films in many ways. But, you know, that, uh, that idea of the dog being the co-pilot, you know, came from something in his own life. So that's, that's sort of the, the real beginnings of Star Wars as a real movie. Uh, and then it is greatly helped by the fact that he basically becomes a millionaire after American Graffiti. And, uh, you know, is kind of thinking about what he wants to do next, and he realizes that, you know, with the, all those profits, the unexpected flood of profits that he makes, he can actually take his time and make this science fiction, space opera, space fantasy movie that he has been dreaming about for years. And uh, the vast majority of time is just spent trying to create a draft of this movie where anyone can understand what the hell he's talking about uh, because he is not as he has proved with his previous two movies he's not normally the best kind of script editor in the world he's always needed someone to to come in and kind of work on his own scripts and it, it's just basically a long time him going through every studio in Hollywood uh, every one of the majors and them all kind of refusing it's not a great thing. It's it's hard to pitch science fiction movies as, at this time in history. We we do have to remember that. George met Ralph McQuarrie, the the artist, which would turn out to be the the only way Star Wars got made was because of Ralph McQuarrie's paintings. Because again, nobody knew what the hell he was talking about. This allowed him to visualize it. And with that visualization came one studio, and a lone executive. Fox and of course Alan Ladd Jr. is the only one who uh, wants to take a bet. Uh, Laddie as he was known had, had seen American Graffiti. He didn't really understand what Lucas was trying to tell him about Star Wars but uh, as he told me he said I believed in his brain. 
But getting a studio to agree to make his film was just the first of many uphill battles Lucas would have to face. And you're listening to author Chris Taylor tell us the story of how Star Wars conquered the universe. When we come back, more of this remarkable story of imagination, of entrepreneurship, and so much more. The story of Star Wars here on Our American Stories. Lee Habib here, the host of Our American Stories. Every day on this show, we're bringing inspiring stories from across this great country. Stories from our big cities and small towns. But we truly can't do this show without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love what you hear, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little, give a lot. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and give. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu From BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip I thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board This is Uncanny USA He says somebody's in the house and I screamed (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back with Our American Stories and Chris Taylor telling us the story of George Lucas and the creation of Star Wars. Before the break, we just heard how Lucas had shopped Star Wars around Hollywood, facing rejection after rejection. 20th Century Fox executive Alan Ladd Jr., or Laddie, was the only one who thought Lucas was worth taking a chance on. Back to Chris. A budget hadn't even been set like he was, he had to spend his own money. Uh, kind of a nutty way to make a film when you look back on it. But you get the sense that he knows he's sitting on something big. He doesn't know how big. At some point in the process, he suggests that it could be as big as a Disney movie. 
Um, the average Disney movie could make like $12 million, which is roughly kind of what he's expecting the budget to be. It is roughly what the budget ends up being, which is uh, an overshoot, which is more than, than Fox allotted him. Uh, it's supposed to be $8 million. You know, he ends up spending close to 12 but yeah, he thinks he's basically just going to make his money back. Because that was the thing with science fiction movies in this day and age. Small budgets, uh, because the stuff was just for kids and there wasn't that much money there and you didn't, you know, no point in spending big on it and kids won't notice the difference anyway if it's good or bad, if the special effects are good or bad. You know, 2001 didn't make its money back until 1975, which is crazy. If we think of that now, like, it's a stone-cold classic. Why did people not go see it? They just didn't. And it wasn't until, actually, you know, Star Wars was sitting in limbo waiting for its budget to appear that uh, that 2001 gets re-released and finally, you know, makes a profit. So, so that's all Lucas is expecting. You're just like, George, you had no idea what you're sitting on. But yeah, he's he, he just he's, he's a terrible scriptwriter. Um, it takes him four drafts to get close, um, and even then he has to draft in Willard Huck and Gloria Katz to do a rewrite of, it's been estimated roughly a third of the dialogue in the original Star Wars is theirs. Despite the progress being made on the script, 20th Century Fox wasn't making things easy for Lucas. They froze all spending in mid-October of 1975, pending a board meeting on December 13th, with filming scheduled to start only a few months later, in March of 76. Fox is really dragging its heels. That There's no budget in sight. It really does take until that 1975 meeting after 2001 has been a success and after the Fox board has seen the Macquarie paintings. They can finally visualize what this thing is supposed to be. Because without that meeting, without them deciding that budget, uh, it never would have been made. I mean, it was barely made as it was. <laughs> it really is. Resources stretched the absolute limit, right? Uh, George seems to be in the 70s. He seems to spend a lot of time around the dying parts of the industry. Like the, the internship that he had at Warner Brothers that uh, got him to, to meet Coppola in the first place. The only reason they met Coppola is because he was supposed to work in the animation department in Warner Brothers, and they just closed it. He sees that the animation industry is moribund, he sees that the special effects industry is moribund, so kind of has no choice but to start his own. And it's sort of weird. Well, again, I think this is something that we have a hard time grasping in the 21st century, because there's obviously so much work for special effects houses in this day and age that it can support a vast global industry. But yeah, you know what? You just created one of the most legendary special effects houses because nobody else had? Well, yeah. And he kind of had the money to do it. Again, this is why the American graffiti money was so important, because he could never have just gone cap in hand to Fox and said, oh yeah, by the way, on top of the budget for this film, I also need to start a special effects house. Can you can you maybe spot me some some cash for that? Uh, no. So yeah, industrial light and magic started in a warehouse in Van Nuys. These ideas of cameras, computer control cameras, that's the really the secret source of ILM. Uh, but also, it takes so long to get off the ground that it almost gives George a heart attack. Uh, that they're, they're working so slowly that they've only got one shot done um, by the time George comes back from principal photography in London. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, that, but that's kind of a sign of the fact that ILM had to reinvent everything from the ground up. That's why there was only one special effects shot in the can is because there's so much work on the technical side to be done. Lucas is casting throughout 75 uh, with with Brian De Palma working on Carrie at the same time. Luke Skywalker, like it, it doesn't. There, there are many other options, but it kind of Mark Hamill kind of kind of wins that one pretty easily. Uh, Carrie Fisher almost didn't get it because she was in acting school in London at the time. Her mother Debbie Reynolds packs her off to London. She goes off to to learn proper pronunciation. 
on things, which is why if you watch Star Wars, she seems to have half of a British accent for like half the movie. That's why she was in London repeating things like, I've got to have a proper copper coffee pot. But yeah, she just comes in and it was actually the uh, Fred Roos, the, the casting guy on Godfather who tells he's sort of an unofficial casting uh, executive for for Star Wars kind of unpaid just because he you know knows George well through through Coppola the most interesting piece of casting and one that's that's thrown up a lot of legends over the years is is that of Han Solo uh you know we we know that, that there are many other actors who could have done it but also we hear that and this is true George did not want to cast Harrison Ford because he had been in American Graffiti because the thing that George was terrified of critics saying when Star Wars comes out is, oh, it's just American graffiti in space. So I think as, as a director, you're always terrified that your last movie is going to influence the perception of your current one. So he, you know, he was a jobbing actor. He was also a carpenter. And the, the myth has grown up that Fred Roos, casting director, was so certain that Harrison Ford was right for the Han Solo role that he brought... Harrison Ford in to do some carpentry on a door in his casting studio to kind of throw Harrison Ford in his path. And I sat down with Fred Roos in person. I was like, is this really the case? And he kind of sheepishly admitted that the legend, as good as it sounds, is not true. And that, in fact, he just actually needed a door. And Harrison Ford... (laughs) <laughs> was the only carpenter he knew. So he just brought him in <laughs> to make that door anyway. So it wasn't, it was inspired in retrospect, like a lot of the Star Wars story. And a lot of it was just more haphazard than you think. And sometimes a carpenter making a door is just a carpenter making a door. Unfortunately, even though the cast was in place, that didn't mean that everything would go smoothly from there. Quite the opposite. They had location shoots to film in Africa and filming at a studio in London, which did anything but inspire confidence in Lucas. The shooting in Tunisia itself is an absolute nightmare. You get this part of the world that's not supposed to have any storms, have its biggest storm for 40 years. A lot of the equipment is destroyed. The first day of shooting goes terribly. The droids especially are all over the place. Uh, This is kind of a, a, a thing throughout the filming of Star Wars that R2-D2 didn't function in. And if you pause every scene in Star Wars where R2-D2 is rolling forward and just kind of look at the trajectory of where he's going, it's almost always into a wall. And then you imagine those scenes on Tatooine, aka Tunisia, uh, you know, supposed to have gone a lot more differently and look a lot more impressive than it did. Again, we have this sort of happy accident of the fact that the... The Tunisia shoot went so badly, the desert scenes had to be so stripped down that it kind of ended up looking accidentally like a western. And that, you know, people saw that, oh, like, ooh, John Ford, you know, that really... uh, But no, he was not as much... (laughs) This was not as much of a western homage as we imagined. It was just he didn't have the budget to throw in all of the creatures and all of the stuff that it was in his imagination. It's how much of a mess the script is in. Luke's name, I mean, Luke's name in the script, as far as they are concerned, while they're in Tunisia, is Luke Starkiller. And you're listening to Chris Taylor, author of How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. Tell a heck of a tale about perseverance, about accidents. George Lucas was crazy. He took his own money from American Graffiti and started a special effects company. The story of Star Wars, how it almost never happened, and how it came to be here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back with Our American Stories and author Chris Taylor, who is telling us the story of how the original Star Wars came to be. George Lucas was actually reworking the script as they were filming in Africa. There was still shooting to be done in England, but Lucas wasn't exactly hopeful. However, not all was lost. Much of the Western feel in Star Wars was due to production impairments. A happy accident. Back to Chris Taylor with the story of Star Wars. So it, it's it's a mess. It's all over the place. The script is being revised at the last minute. And then when he gets to London, it turns out to be not better than Tunisia in a lot of ways in terms of his inability to communicate with the crew and the London crew especially uh, are really just not happy with this weird, shy, glasses-wearing, big-bearded, big-haired, interloper guy who can't even, you know kind of mumbles at you and like they're like who is this dude and they're just kind of making jokes about him and about the the movie the whole time you know the uh uh the 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 studio has been cleaned which is exactly what what lucas didn't want um you know the the death star we we think of it oh that was supposed to be gleaming and bright and uh no it wasn't you know george had this idea that, that Tunisia actually really helped him with, with all of the, the, the dirt and muck that, that got on everything. The idea of the used universe is, is a really big one in George's head. And so, you know, things get a bit scuffed up, things get a bit, get a bit used. You have this sense of almost every object in Star Wars that um, it, is, it has been used before, it's a bit dirty. Uh, and that's what helps us believe it, right? So you look around the room you're in, it's kind of, maybe it's a bit mismatched. The things you bought on this day, things you bought on that day, that's a bit scuffed. That's got dust on it, right? And we've never seen that in science fiction before, but not on the Death Star because the crew in the UK have cleaned the set and would clean the set every day. Like, he's like, no, this is not what I want. But of course, it kind of works. It's beautiful for all the reflections on like Vader's helmet. Like, again, 
not meant to be the case, turns out brilliantly. Um, but yeah, George had a terrible time in London, he had a terrible time with the crew, he had a terrible time, time with Gilbert Taylor, you know, as the award-winning cinematographer, um, who kind of was as dismissive as the crew of uh, George's shortcomings, especially when George kind of got on the wrong side of him by, like, looking through the camera right doing the stuff that a cinematographer is supposed to do because George had done that previously on both of his previous movies THX 1138 and American Graffiti had been small they'd been low budget this is his first time on anything like a Hollywood epic and here he comes face to face with with Gil Taylor you know he's worked with Kubrick he's worked with Hitchcock he's worked with Polanski and uh, he's kind of you know telling George no you don't look through the camera son that's my job so George is in a funk the whole time, you know, Gary Kurtz is having to try to negotiate with the crew to get them to take this seriously. Um, it is the hottest summer on record, the summer of 1976 in the UK, still famous even now, still 76 is known as one of the biggest, hottest, nastiest, sweatiest you know, gave rise to the famous uh, Sun tabloid headline, Few Water Scorcher, um, in that summer. That was the summer of 76, and that's when Star Wars is being filmed. And it's just so much of a mess, and they don't have, like, a lot of the costumes aren't ready, and just a lot of stuff happening all over the place that just makes it feel like a mess. They, they get round to the end of shooting, Fox won't give them any more budget, um, and they still have to film all of the scenes on the Tantive Four. Um, you know, which is the, the ship at the very start of Star Wars. This is one that famously gets shot at by the Star Destroyer passing overhead, and it's the one that 3PO and R2 are on, Darth Vader invades it, etc. All of those scenes uh, of those those rebels sort of lining up in front of the door, the famous scene producing the tension of, like, Darth Vader's going to walk through this door, and we, we know that, like, they, they don't say a word, but like, really, really great masterclass in building up tension in the first few minutes of a movie. And it really was just filmed at the last minute, you know, on the last day with a second unit. I think Gary Kurtz wants to direct the second unit, you know, and they're just they're shuttling back and forth. They're trying to get all these scenes filmed. You would never guess it today, looking at that at that scene, that it was just such on a shoestring, on the last day, kind of thrown together kind of thing. But it works, and they were just so lucky in the in in that sense, and in the things that they were able to do. The resources of the original Star Wars were just stretched gossamer thin. You know, everything was like on the on the point of breaking, and you can see how if you're coming back from that shoot uh, and you're going to. I believe it was Alabama, where where Steven Spielberg was filming Close Encounters at that time you would think this is such a mess like ILM I started this special effects house they've only got one shot in the can uh, that's what he discovers by the way when he comes back from Spielberg's uh, shoot from Close Encounters he goes back he checks in on ILM in the Van Nuys warehouse Dyke's just like hey we've only got one shot but we've figured out a lot of stuff <laughs> you want to sh see the shot looks a lot like 2001 that's it that's all I've had for my months and months of investment of my own money into this, the special effects that are either going to save or damn this film. Um, yeah, so he, he sees that and he flies back to San Francisco from, you know, down in L.A. Finally, he's heading back home and um, almost straight from the plane, he starts feeling like he's going to have a heart attack. Has to check himself into hospital instead of going home in Marin. And, um, turns out it's, no, it's not a heart attack, but he's also told he's having an incredible amount of anxiety, a lot of stress, and he should probably go take some rest, uh, which is kind of good advice. But yeah, George is kind of put through the ringer. This also explains why, while he and Spielberg are together on the set of Close Encounters, they swap points. I think it's two points each in, so Spielberg gets 2% of the profits of Star Wars, Lucas gets 2% of the profits of Close Encounters. Not an unusual thing to do, but also an indication of each of them thought that the other ones was going to be the better movie. And you can see George thinking, well, after that mess of a shoot with my special effects house, just nowhere in this process 
obviously I'm going to win that bet. Obviously, <laughs> I'm going to. So it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be, you know, my name is going to be mud in Hollywood, but that's fine because I'll just make my personal films and I'll have my 2% of Close Encounters to keep me going. And Lucas seemed justified in his feeling when the movie's release is pushed from Christmas of 1976 to the summer of 1977. And the novelization still does come out in the fall of 76, which is just bizarre looking back on it to us these days. Like, oh, we, the whole story of Star Wars was out there, like for months before the movie hit theaters. Really weird. So, you know, the, the, the release date slips, not unusual, but it slips because the special effects are so far behind schedule. And they're so far behind schedule that, that George, when he screens his rough cut of Star Wars for his friends including that, that screening where Brian De Palma tore him to pieces. Um, he, he's screening a shot with kind of temporary placeholder special effects, which is basically he's using, especially for the Death Star sequence at the end, he's using a lot of shots from World War II movies. And what a story we're being told by Chris Taylor, how Star Wars conquered the universe my goodness, all of those early scenes done at the last minute, on the last dime. And it just shows you that, indeed, Benjamin Franklin's quote, necessity is the mother of invention. My goodness, it's the mother, the father, the grandmother, and the grandfather here. It, indeed, drives the film. It was a hot mess. And maybe, indeed, that's why this worked. When we come back, more with author Chris Taylor, the story of how Star Wars came to be, and almost didn't, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu From BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip I thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board This is Uncanny USA He says somebody's in the house and I screamed Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back with Our American Stories and our last segment on the making of the original Star Wars. Chris Taylor, author of How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, was just sharing how Star Wars release was pushed back from December of 76 to the summer of 77 due to delays in the special effects. Lucas had even gone to the hospital for what he felt was a heart attack brought on by extreme stress. Things were not looking good for Lucas and his passion project, Star Wars. The, the, the release date slips, not unusual, but it slips because the special effects are so far behind schedule. And they're so far behind schedule that, that George, when he screens his rough cut of Star Wars for his friends, including that, that screening where Brian De Palma tore him to pieces, um, he, he's screening a shot with kind of temporary placeholder special effects which is basically he's using especially for the Death Star sequence at the end he's using a lot of shots from World War II movies to to illustrate like oh the you know the attack of the Death Star is going to happen here you know cut to Spitfire from World War II you know downing a couple of German Messerschmitts just the explosion of the Death Star, like when they when they filmed that on set, it was just a, a guy holding a piece of paper and going bang, you know. <laughs> but yeah, so so all of that is waiting until right in the last minute, you know. This is part of the reason why George and Marsha are just kind of sleepless and dazed on the day Star Wars is released because they're still working, they're still tweaking it they're still changing it they uh you know obviously again this is a the looping of the dialogue is an area where you see a lot more happy accidents like the casting of james l jones as the voice of darth vader you know he wasn't paid that much money it was just a couple of days work because by the way darth vader george didn't think he was a very scary villain he's only on screen for 10 minutes in the original star wars he didn't seem scary until you add the sound effect uh, and until you add James Earl Jones' voice uh, and Ben Burt breathing through a scuba mask. You know, that's what really sells Darth Vader. You know, it all brings, comes together. But he's worried that Darth Vader isn't going to be seen as that big of a villain. Like, he almost wants to kill him off. Um, so, you know, a lot of this stuff doesn't come through at the last minute. Obviously, James Earl Jones was a great get. Uh, really, really makes the film. Part of George Lucas's pessimistic outlook on Star Wars certainly stemmed from the numerous delays in production, and another part came from his perfectionism and the idea that this movie would never live up to his expectations, a feeling he still has to this day. Yeah, George was definitely heads down in the studio in those final days, uh, working on the audio. And I believe what, what Lucas is doing on May the 25th, 1977, the day that Star Wars is released. By the way, a Wednesday, kind of weird to us this day and age. The Wednesday before Memorial Day weekend. Like, what are you even doing releasing it then? It's just bizarre. Like, kids aren't off school. This is supposed to be a movie for kids. What are, what are you even doing? You know, just kind of a sign that, that Fox wasn't even thinking uh, about that sort of thing. It was actually trying to get theatres to take a movie called The Other Side of Midnight, which we don't even remember today, it was a gritty 70s drama, by saying, well, you, you have to take uh, Star Wars if, the, if you want The Other Side of Midnight, and it wasn't until you know, a month or so after Star Wars comes out, they flip it. They're like, oh no, you have to take The Other Side of Midnight if you want Star Wars. Um, so they're just not thinking about it. It just gets released. And I, I think George isn't thinking about it either, because there, there was no premiere party. So he's, he's sleepless, Marsha's sleepless, and supposedly they go to Hamburger Hut, which is a restaurant um, that is uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. It was on Hollywood Boulevard, right opposite Man's Chinese Theatre. 
which I guess he didn't realize which 32 theaters it was being released in around the country, and the one of them was right here. I can believe that he would sit in there for a hamburger, which is his favorite food, with Marsha, and just sort of kind of get over that kind of sleeplessness, you know, that kind of where you've pulled an all-nighter and nothing seems real. And then you look out the window and you see, oh, my movie's playing over there. This movie that I'm still fixing, that's weird, um, is playing over there and there seems to be a line. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we should remember that he, you know, that my favorite story about this, about where his head was, is the fact that he calls, George Lucas calls up Mark Hamill on the day, on May 25th, and he says, hi, kid, you famous yet? So he's obviously aware that it's kind of, it's doing okay, at least at this one theater. Little remembered fact, uh, it wasn't actually Star Wars that there was, the, was the most popular uh, movie of, of that week. It wasn't top of the box office. It was Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, and that was simply due to the fact that it was on more screens. I mean, Jaws, I believe, which was the best-selling movie up until that point, um, opened in over 100 and, uh, you know, was kind of a hit from the beginning. 32 is like, that's just such a sign of defeat and failure to open your movie on just 32 screens. Even 40 would have been a sign of defeat and a sign that not only Fox didn't believe it, but the movie houses themselves didn't believe in it. But then that, too, kind of turns out to work in Lucas's favor because it means that there are lines. If you've got supply and demand match perfectly, no lines. But the interesting thing about Star Wars is it very early on becomes famous for being famous. And it becomes famous for having its lines. And journalists kind of latch onto that. Like, there's no mention of the lines on the fir- in the first day reports. There's mention that it's done pretty well. Like, you know, Variety is a gog at its per-screen average, which is part of the reason why you see eight other theatres by the end of the week going, oh, yeah, uh, actually, I'll take that. You know, and it kind of kind of snowballs from there, but part of the reason that it's snowballing is because everywhere it goes, it has lines. And because the lines become famous for being lines, Star Wars becomes famous for being a thing that people will wait in long lines to see. And, I mean, I always go back to the, the San Francisco Chronicles report, which I believe the, was the first report on the line. And The uh, the movie theatre owner is just aghast at, at the, the kind of people who are waiting in these lines, like, you know, the long hairs, the, the acid freaks, uh, the stoners, the, you know, the people playing chess in line, but also, like, people of different ages. It's not one particular age group. It's not just limited to kids. So the lines are sort of this great physical example of how it is not just for children, it's not just your average science fiction flick. We we can go too far in saying, oh, it wasn't going to be a hit, or it wasn't supposed to be a hit, but we can definitely say that it became a phenomenon because of the supply and demand problem, because of the lines. Then it starts to open up in other countries because, of course, you know, uh, America is the, the global center of culture. And, you know, we, you hear about American uh, movies certainly growing up in the UK. Uh, you, you would hear about American movies long before you would see them. Uh, that was definitely the case with Star Wars. My first encounter with Star Wars was on the back of a box of cereal when I was about four years old. It's just, it starts, people start to realize that it is just so rewatchable. And we think of that as sort of being a normal thing now. Like, of course, that's what that's what directors are going for. They want to make a movie that you'll want to rewatch. And you know, Lucas was the first to do that. It's just so compelling. The story is so compelling that uh, it just taps into something deep and primal in our brains. Just probably a good point to. I'll just throw in the you know the the legend being that uh, George Lucas based it on the hero with a thousand faces, right? Joseph Campbell and all of that kind of, you know, archetypal hero narrative, you know. And these days, Star Wars is used as, as a great example of that. But, in t- t- you know, in terms of Lucas thinking that he had produced this hero's narrative that audiences were just going to fall for, no, he had no idea. He had no idea what he was what he was doing. 
And to, to quote Charlie Lippincott, his marketing director, he was just farting around. And a terrific job on the production and storytelling by Robbie Davis. And a special thanks to Chris Taylor, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. And go to bookstores, go to Amazon, however you get your books. Buy it. If you're a Star Wars fan, buy two. And if you're not a Star Wars fan, watch the movie again. Give it another shot. And my goodness, happy accidents? None bigger than the voice of James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. No one saw the scenes as scary until, well, you add the soundtrack... You add Jones's voice and that eerie breathing sound. Think about that premiere night. What is Lucas doing? Grabbing a burger after tweaking a film he was sure wasn't going to do well. And then those lines. The story of how Star Wars conquered the universe. Here on Our American Stories. BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.